buy a brand because they have something that you don't have. It's you can recreate their product, but what you can't do is build that brand advocacy that they probably already have. That's super powerful. And if you want to differentiate yourself, I think that's a huge opportunity right now for so many companies, really aligning yourself with your customers. You're listening to Digital Surfing, and my name is Darren Smith. Digital Surfing is the podcast where we discuss digital leaders' highs and lows. This week, we have Jeremiah Runser. He's the marketing manager at GCPay, and he has over 10 years marketing lead generation and brand building experience. In this episode, we talk about growth hacking and when to use it and when not to use it. We talk about understanding the consumer and really how Mike used SMS, something so simple to reach his consumers in one of the campaigns that he built. And last of all, how important a website is and the pivotal role it plays in your marketing journey. Let's go and meet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, it's awesome to have you today. Let's get personal first. I know you've got some interesting hobbies and interests. What are those? Tell us. I do a lot of woodworking, which is, I guess, ironic because, you know, I work in construction software, not at all related, but somehow, you know, I, I ended up building a lot of furniture. I started out like doing DIY projects and ended up just building cabinets and fell in love with cabinet making somehow. It seems like a really weird hobby to develop, but I love the idea of putting hinges on doors that I made and attaching them to a box. For some reason, that was cool to me. Hinges are the most difficult things to do. I can do a bit of DIY, but hinges absolutely drive me crazy. Yeah, actually, you can maybe see like back there, I've got these new cabinets that we just put in probably a month or two ago. And I was somebody that asked me about it. And I'm like, you know, when you're putting in a cabinet door, the doors have to be accurate to a 16th or less of an inch. And then the hinges have to match the spacing on the doors as they go in. Because if you have a reveal that's an eighth of an inch between on each side, the 16th of an inch is the difference of whether or not the cabinet hits a wall or it hits the other door. And I think that's what I've kind of liked about it. We framed this whole wall behind us. Like that's easy. It's easy to do framing because you got huge margins of error. But when you're doing cabinetry, it's very refined, detailed work. And I loved it. It's very time consuming, but it's, it's awesome. It's contemplative work. Often when I speak to marketers, whether they're runners or carpenters or surfers or something like that, that's where their big ideas come from. Do you find the same thing? Yeah. And to that same point, I'm actually a pretty avid runner. And I've spent a long time more in competitive athletics, most running, but I've always liked the idea of when you start running, you're trimming off seconds. And it sounds kind of silly, but that translates so much into your life. When you realize you can't cheat, you can't skip the process. There's no substitute for time. You can run faster, you know, you can get faster, but it doesn't equate to long-term growth. So you have to focus like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm going to run an eight mile an hour pace. And then I'm going to run an 8.2 on Thursday, Friday, and the next week I'm going to run at 8.3. And then eventually, you know, you go from running a eight minute mile to a six minute mile in a couple months, because you've really focused on gradual growth, as opposed to trying to hack the system. There's some ways you can do it. Again, there's just no substitute time and hard work. And you know, the same thing for cabinets. I've messed up so many things (laughs) that I've built before it finally just clicked. And I'm like, this is the right way. And you, you start to understand, like, as you're building these things, these are things you should be cautious of in the process as opposed to finding them out once you know you get it installed or something like that. You mentioned the term, the process over there. And they're like, the concept of growth hacking has got so popular and people are looking for that next big idea that's just going to catapult them forward. And then at the same time, you're talking about making small adjustments 
to refine the growth? I mean, like in, in terms of your approach to marketing, is it a bit of both or do you stick with the, the big idea or, or is it all about small improvements of, on what's there? No, that's a good question. I think what I've made a mistake of is like sometimes looking at the tools and tactics and all these things are cool, right? When you see, oh, this person's making their own event and they've got a whole event strategy around their own branded thing where they build great brand advocacy and you're like, I want to do that. But, but in reality, sometimes negate the fact that you might not even have like a good lead gen strategy or a good like automation program to support something like that. So you can do all those things and those are awesome, but I think it's super important right now. We're actually working with Hubble to build out our buyer personas, right? And that's really hard to do good marketing without mapping those buyer personas first, because you build Mm -hmm. the buyer personas, you know who you're targeting, you map the journeys to each buyer persona. And that way you know, everything's aligned and you know, when this person fills out this form, they fall into this tier and then they fall into this persona. And then we feed them this content because that's what they're interested in. Not the same thing for, you know, in our case, maybe it's a CFO or it could be a controller, or maybe it's just a a CEO or construction, president of construction or something like that. They have very different interests. They still might be an influencer, but they're not buyers. They're not interested in the same thing that a CFO is. So, Mm. you know, without those like foundational elements, it's really hard to do good marketing because you don't have a baseline for what you're doing. I wouldn't consider this a growth hack. We ran a few review campaigns over the past year, and these have been like super successful, but it's not hacking. It's just finding gaps that these are easy, big wins for us. We have Mm. a big customer base. We have people that say great things about us. We don't have it publicly. So we'll run a few campaigns on G2 or Captera, and we have now hundreds of reviews where a company of our size might typically get one to 15. Within a few days, we get you know, three, 400 plus reviews. So I would consider that maybe that's a hack, but it's not really a hack. It's just like an educated guess. Reviews are such an important part of a marketing strategy nowadays, in my opinion. I always say that kind of word of mouth marketing is the only tactic that's never going to die. Maybe people stop using TikTok or whatever, But getting a referral and seeing somebody else happy is so important. I think so many people forget to do that. Yeah, we can say great things about ourselves, right? We can talk about our product. We can talk about what we're passionate about. But that has to translate to the customer. And for us, this is such a word of mouth industry. I worked for the government for a while too. Adoption to technology in construction is about as well (laughs) it's about as well adopted as like it is in government like it just doesn't happen they're very slow you know a lot of our customers are still using excel to manage things that they could be doing in other systems that have automation in them getting somebody to say that's a big general contractor them to say hey this is an awesome product i'm not even great at using software and it was really easy for me to learn really easy for me to use that means so much we can say it's easy But if they're saying it's easy, then it really helps drive that same story home from the customer's perspective. What I found is what's currently missing when it comes to reviews is a review syndication service because G2 wants the review written on their site. Google Business wants it on their site. Facebook wants it on their site. It's all a traffic generation thing. And it's not cool for the customer. Say you get a positive review, a high NPS call, you then need to go and ask that customer, oh, can you please go write this on G2 again? And can you please go and write it on Trustpilot? And can you go and write it over here and there? It's one of the biggest frustrations for me as a marketer when I've tried to follow a review strategy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think about the same thing because we ran our CapTerra RAS campaign, reviews the service campaign first. And I'm like, this is awesome. I got 128 reviews in the first few days. This worked out really well. And I was like, hey, can we migrate these? Or can it, like, I mean, they're all approved reviews. 
can we migrate these to another service now? We can't do that. And we would talk with G2. Now we inundate people with reviews. And a lot of the reviewers are the same on both sites, leaving separate reviews, of course, but they're still the same people because they're the ones who are more prone to leave a review. To have like a review aggregator, we have four or 500 whatever plus reviews, but that's between Software Advice, Captera, G2, and then GetApp. They're all out there. But you yeah. got to be searching for them. I wonder what would that look like for this aggregation service? <laughs> They're like, okay, well, what's the vetting process there? I would imagine it's probably next to nothing because they've already been approved by those individual vendors. I, I imagine the, the problem might be is I think these review sites make their money from the ad sales, from the traffic. So I don't think they want to allow you to do that. <laughs> right? yeah, it's probably not a great business model for, the, for you to take the reviews, even if you're like linking them in an embedded iframe or something like that on your site. You can do that through their site on your own website as opposed to an aggregation site. One of the other things I noticed about you, I asked about idols, your biggest idols, and you came up with Seismic, Terminus, Gong. Those are all marketing tech, sales tech products. Is that a coincidence that those are your idols? So Seismic, now he was actually the CMO at Lessonly, which is a training software, but uh, a guy named Kyle Lacey, he's out here in Indianapolis. He is now the SVP, I believe, of marketing at Seismic. So he's got a pretty big following on LinkedIn, I think. He probably would be humble and maybe not say that. He has great advice on everything he does. It seems like he's very meticulous about it. And I respect that, especially in a software sense. They just do marketing well and they do it right and they're customer focused. It's not like product focused. It's very much we're putting our customers first in everything we do. Same thing for Terminus. Justin Keller uh, was the VP of marketing over at Terminus. And I was just chatting with him on LinkedIn two weeks ago or so. And he mentions I lacked confidence in this area for a while because I worked in brand. I, my background was in visual communication. I went to the army and I worked for them for a while. I had no experience in video. And someone said, hey, we need somebody to shoot video, basically. And I was like, okay, I'll start doing that. And a few years later, I ended up winning videographer of the year in Department of Defense. It just came so natural to me. The creative side did. But I really had to work at the analytical side and learn data. But Justin had said, you can learn data. You can learn analytics. You can learn like marketing strategy. Not easily, but you can learn it. What you can't teach that well. You can, but, but it's not as easy to teach as creative. So I think the way he had quoted this was, Creative marketers over the next five to 10 years will become so much more in demand because those are the people that have this innate ability to think outside the box. He does that really well. Terminus launched a campaign 2021, I believe, or maybe late 2020, but they did, they had this cookbook. It was this really awesome omni-channel campaign where it's this ABM cookbook. And it's this really, really long page that go through like how to build out ABM strategies, what KPIs you should be tracking, all this stuff. And integrated in there, they had um, Sendosos. I don't remember what the trigger was, but I think maybe if you read so much of something or if you downloaded a piece of content, they'd send out this cookbook kit with a branded pot holder and a branded spatula and some other things that like recipe cards of ABM strategy. And I thought that's just so awesome. It's not groundbreaking necessarily, but what they do really well is you take Terminus, which is a software platform that you think about while you're at work and you put it in the kitchen of somebody's home whether or not you use these spatulas and you see them on a regular basis, it's there and it becomes part of your house. It be mm -hmm. becomes part of your lifestyle as opposed to just some B2B brand. They did, they did, they're doing the same thing actually right now with Terminus TV. They just launched Terminus TV. Whether or not that is successful, I think is irrelevant. It's that they're taking B2B marketing and they're approaching it in a B2C way. And I think that that's going to be so important over the next you know five to 10 years for marketers to really start approaching B2B just like BSC, because often you forget that you're still talking to people. Even if you're marketing to marketers, I'm just a guy. I'm a guy that likes doing woodworking or that likes running. 
I might work in marketing, but at the end of the day, I still have a family and I still have my own passions and interests. That's kind of been forgotten over the past few years in marketing. You look at businesses, this is the company that we're targeting. Now, these are the contacts in the company that we're targeting. Yeah, I find that increasingly there's mark well people that call themselves marketers but they're really good at driving some marketing technology tactics but there's no big idea there you know people coming out graduates coming out from college after studying marketing are they equipped from a strategy point of view have they learned enough about the technology what is that ramp up for somebody to actually get productive I'll steal a quote. Actually, my wife is in a master's program. She's about to graduate with her MBA with a major in marketing. She works at Genesis, which is B2B chat software, whatever. But she works at Genesis and she is talking with one of the researchers in one of her in her degree program. And he talked to the CEO at Otterbox. So what this guy said, I thought it was really important. He said, I have a hard time hiring. MBAs straight out of college because a lot of times they feel like that's their golden ticket to leadership and they come mm-hmm. out not being able to have individualistic thoughts and being able to think creatively because they've only mm-hmm. worked in these structured education environments. So what I like to do is look at an MBA who has multiple years of experience like two or three in the workforce and then the education as like the icing on the cake. And I don't think that like an MBA is not important and I don't think that a graduate an undergraduate degree is not important. But I think that the ability to take initiative and to do those things are so much more important than your background. I didn't start out in marketing. I started out in creative. That was how I got my way into marketing. The education is important as a foundation. But, you know, my wife was saying the other day, there are constantly people in our class are you know, raising their hand and they're like, hey, I have a question about the assignment. You didn't mention how many sentences we have to have for this one question. <laughs> and those people, when they go to the workforce, that's going to require a lot of handholding until they get used to, you know, what's it like to work on your own? I guess to, to answer your question, you know, education, absolutely, I think it's important. But I think really being a self-starter, those things are important. Just thinking, you know, not being afraid to make mistakes, not being afraid to be wrong. Those are probably the most important qualities you can have. And I tell my eight-year-old this every day, if you have children, they're always right. Like there's no being wrong to an eight-year-old. <laughs> Listen, dude, you don't know everything there is to know about you know, long division. There are things you can definitely learn. And it'll constantly say, I've been doing addition since I was, you know, in kindergarten. Right. But you're doing two plus two and now you're doing 278 plus 367. It's a lot different. There are different <laughs> principles there. So along your career now, what would you call out as your biggest kind of digital success? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I wouldn't say biggest, but I would say probably the most prominent was whenever I started here at GCPay, we had a website. I would argue that wasn't really optimized for conversion at all. The only CTA we really had was at the bottom of the page. And it was a form you know, that asked a bunch of questions. And it was more of a contact form than it was like a lead gen form. And we redesigned this website. And I mean, we have almost tripled the amount of conversions we had organically just by doing mm-hmm. good conversion rate optimization. So, I mean, it's not like it's a huge win, but it's finding things like that. that we need a CTA above the fold. That has to happen. We need a CTA in the, the menu bar, the nav bar, like as a sticky button. And those have to still create good journeys. And then as you build that out, obviously it's not gonna be perfect, but get a good MVP and then build on top of that. So we had, we kind of A-B tested a book, a demo and a talk to sales. Talk to sales, we get about one third, one fourth of the amount of conversions that we did with book a demo. So then we just left book a demo and put customer stories because we're driving the most traffic organically to our customer stories page. So we started using that because that basically says, here you can book a demo or here you can hear what people say about us. You know, kind of like we were saying, really good word of mouth. These are awesome stories from a lot of our customers. 
So if you're not ready to book a demo, and at least see what other people have to say about it. I find that sometimes some marketing teams are structured where there's somebody running the website, somebody running demand generation, and you could have the greatest demand generation ever. But if your website has a big red button that says go away, you know, no one's no one's going to convert. People like forget that they're so in- integrated. You Optimizing your website just for conversion is such an important step. Right. In general, making it easy for the end user, whether it's a customer or whatever it is, just making it easy for the person to know what to do and finding your customers or your prospects where they already are. Whenever I was working in the army last year, I don't know if you're familiar with Apple business chat. It's really cool, really awesome way to kind of do like SMS back and forth organically. And our primary demographic for the army is 18 to 24 year olds. They're, they're texting. And I, and I don't say that as like an old guy. They're not getting on chat software and chat bots to talk to people. They're texting. Basically for free, what I ended up doing was developing a strategy to get each individual recruiting location in Apple Maps, each one of them have an assigned number with an associated like ID for that area, and then build out like an SDR team essentially at the headquarters level that when they chat there or when they reach out to talk to you, you can talk directly via SMS, branded SMS, if as long as you have an iPhone with a recruiter in a much more organic way than a recruiter coming up to you, either cold calling you or talking to you in a way that wasn't natural to you. It was basically free aside from the backend you know, chat software, but I mean, awesome. And, and I did, unfortunately, I didn't really get to see that through to fruition since I was only on a contract there for a year, but really excited about things like that. You know, just looking at marketing different ways. Everybody can have chatbots and everybody can do events or whatever. Those are the outside of the box things that could be big wins. And I guess maybe to your original point, be considered growth hacking. Yeah, for sure. And, and and I think the other thing is so often with so many channels with everybody doing the same thing, you only have a really short while to stand out from everybody else before everybody copies that and trying new things all the time. I know many marketers just want to keep to the safe. They know, okay, if I spend this on Google AdWords and if I create these eBooks or whatever, I'm likely to get leads, but you need to kind of step out, step out of that comfort zone. So I know we've only got a short time today. So if I had to wrap things up for today and ask you, if you had to leave our listeners today with a piece of advice from you, what would that be? I would say the fundamentals are important. Have a good ad strategy, have a good event strategy, have a good lead generation strategy. All those things are really important, but really think creatively. How can you really differentiate yourself? A lot of that's done through brand. Build a strong brand when you, I'm a super avid lover of one of the products we use, but I don't feel like I really belong to them. I love your product. I love your service. Think about creating a really good customer. I don't even know what to call it. It's not a customer journey, but like, I feel like I could go to one of their events and hang out with all these people that work there because I feel like a personal connection to them. And I think if you can do that as a brand, when you're looking at acquisitions or whatever, you buy a brand because they have something that you don't have. It's You can recreate their product, but what you can't do is build that brand advocacy that they probably already have. That's super powerful. And if you want to differentiate yourself, I think that's a huge opportunity right now for so many companies, really aligning yourself with your customers. Awesome. Well, Jeremiah, thanks so much for joining us on Digital Surfing today. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you. Good luck with those hinges. Thank you. Yeah, it sounds so awesome to say it, doesn't it?